All right, everyone, we're back with another episode of The Enlightened Agent. I'm Dean Gemmel, and I'm joined, as always, by the CEO of Broker Buddha, Jason Keck. Looks like directly from your pinkish home office, Jason. What's up, Dean? Yep, <laughs> representing the, uh, uh, it's actually uh, National uh, Women's History Month, and so Absolutely. here I am in a, uh, my, my daughter's pink bedroom, uh, sitting under her bed, as I usually do. And um, yeah, man, what a great conversation with Jeff today, right? Yeah, he's just a terrific guy, Jeff Gallimore from from Zurich. And, uh, you know, we covered a lot of ground, I thought, right? A lot of different topics um, from tech to diversity to to empathy. That's right. Uh, innovation and um, collaboration. He talked about some some interesting new technologies that they're they're looking at. Uh, gave us gave us a little bit of plug, which I appreciated, and talked about some other stuff, which I think is interesting. And you know, Jeff's just he's just one of those guys that uh, everybody really enjoys being around. I certainly did when when we spent time in the innovation lab with him. And uh, you know, I kind of I, I kind of hope that I have a chance to work with Jeff for the rest of my career. So sure, um, I could see it was that. Really fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, lots of times people don't think uh, there's personalities insurance, but Jeff's obviously a big personality and, and an awfully smart guy. Yeah, he was great, and um, uh, I think I think people are going to enjoy hearing our conversation today and um, and 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 learning from from what we talked about. All right, let's get to it. It's another episode of The Enlightened Agent, the podcast that features top insurance professionals and tries to figure out where this industry might be headed. Today, we are joined by the Chief Operating Officer for U.S. National Accounts at Zurich, North America, Jeff Gallimore. Welcome to The Enlightened Agent. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. Uh, Jason Keck on as well, of course, the CEO of Broker Buddha. I want to start out, uh, Jeff, just by asking you, you know, give me your give me your background, give me your elevator pitch, your backstory, and, and tell me how you ended up as uh, in your current role as the CEO of Zurich. COO, sorry. Yeah. I'm promoting well, you already. I think, no, I think you should promote me. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, keep it keep it coming. Um, yeah. So look, I mean, um, I'm, I'm probably not too different than the many stories that you heard. You know, I fell into the industry, right? My my major, uh, you know, opportunity. What I was going after at the time was just to find a job, right? So, how do I get uh, a job and start, you know, getting some money into the bank account? But once once I started to kind of really dive in, I started as a an operations analyst on, on the claim side at AIG, right? So I've been in the industry you know, thirty plus years. But once I kind of fell in started to understand uh, what the opportunities look like. And I don't want to date myself too much, right? We didn't have Excel. We were using Lotus 1, 2, 3. And we're, no, Lotus. No, no, products, right? <laughs> with, a, with a little DOS background. So, um, Well, but, Jason would know that I wish we could still use Lotus and Word. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so. but, but in any event, you know, I, I started to really just understand what we were trying to accomplish from a business perspective. And I would say after a year in uh, as, a, as a junior analyst and working for my boss, who was the operations manager, he said, we have to find you another job. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> good job here. Like, already? <laughs> yeah, right. And he was like, he was like, no, no, you're doing such a good job. Um, I have to get you into your next role. So that was really, you know, um, you know, my first kind of leap. And when I really started to understand how to build relationships and kind of move through a, a larger organization, and I've been very, very fortunate in my career that I would say at these very critical kind of forks in the road, 
there's always somewhere, someone there to tell me, go, oh, make this left turn here or make that mm-hmm. right turn there. Um, and so largely, uh, I would say on the business side, in shared service, operations, IT, kind of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth throughout my entire career. I spent 17 years at AIG. I think I had six or seven roles there mm-hmm. right, where I bounced you know, back and forth. Two, two important moments, right? I was with the AIG environmental you know, team and my boss, um, Sharon Jane, was the manager of information systems. And I remember this very vividly. Um, you know, she used to bring me uh, along to various kind of leadership meetings. And I think I started to learn what was going on. One day she said, I need you to stand in for me. I'm not going to be able to make that meeting. And I'm like, okay, you know, cool. Went to the meeting. I guess I was able to hold my own. The meeting, you know, ended early. I went back to the floor in the office. And uh, as I was walking past her office, she was just sitting there typing. It's going on a normal day. And I stopped. I said, I thought you had a conflict with someone else to be. And she started laughing. She was like, oh, sit down. And then she started to tell me, she's like, oh, that's your meeting now. And so that's a way where I really got a, a solid opportunity uh, to kind of, you know, show my leadership wares. And at the same time, I look, I can look at it in retrospect, she was kind of building me up to be able to take over that meeting at a certain point in time. And essentially she didn't tell me the truth in terms of, uh, you know, let me go. I, I like that. I like that she just dropped you at it. And she's just like, right. here you go. <laughs> that, that was the way, because otherwise I was like, what do you mean? I can't do that, right? So anyway, that was one piece. And then the second, you know, a little bit how I actually, you know, something that was in the back of my mind throughout my entire career was uh, AIG again, I was uh, working with a woman, her name is Jodine Urban. Uh, and she was the head of administration for our global energy unit. And um, I'm giving her an update, telling her what was going on on a couple of key projects. I noticed she wasn't really paying attention to me. She was just looking at me, right? And then at, the, you know, at some point she stopped me in mid sentence and said, you're gonna be COO one day. I didn't know what a COO, COO was back then. Um, but I made my business to learn a little bit about what a COO was. And I did my research and I guess subconsciously it's always been in, in my site. So again, operations, IT, and a number of fronts and a couple of good people along the way to point me in the right direction. Nice. Yeah. I mean, the, the operations role, um, I, I remember my first role out of college, I learned about that. I'm like, well, this is cool. You kind of touch all different parts of the business and process and people and tech and everything. I, yep. I thought that was a, a pretty fast, you know, for somebody coming out of college, I didn't even realize that was like a thing, right? This sort of operate. Oh, you actually, you have somebody just responsible for, for like just operating the business. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I love about that operations function is that it does have such a strong technology component, right? Technology is super powerful. Um, and, you know, when I, when I came into the insurance industry four years ago, it was, it was pretty clear that um, insurance hasn't exactly led the charge with technology and innovation. So uh, given, given the role you're in now, I'm curious, you know, is, is you know, what's some or one of the most eye-popping pieces of technology you've seen uh, in the last year? Curious uh, what's come across your desk. Yeah, so we're actually engaged with with a with an external vendor now because one of our, our our big problems is around our large property space, right? Uh, you can imagine some of these large conglomerates, um, you know, have have many locations across the globe, and it's very difficult to manage exactly the building construction. What type of uh, repairs have been done? Are are they you know what type of sprinklers do they have? You know, think about these large 
company is trying to manage all those locations in its data. It's a lot of detail. A lot, a lot of detail. And um, obviously, they want to make sure they have their fingers in the pulse as well, right? So, um, you know, been engaged with this, with this vendor. They've been talking to customers as well as distributors and um, you know, finding a way to make it easier for everyone involved in, in the value chain. We really, as an organization, saw a lot of promise in, in a few ways, but the most, you know, one just right off the top of the head, we talk about these SOVs. Uh, so, so really understanding the values uh, at the location level. And, you know, we can receive that as part of a submission uh, on an Excel spreadsheet. 80% is, uh, 80% is there. You don't know if it's 100% accurate or not. And the other 20%, you got to kind of figure it out or kind of do some plug-in you know, yep. to get you through. So, you know, this vendor, you know, part of their value proposition is to help customers and they're going to be invested in it and they're going to work on that platform. The beauty of it is that they'll send uh, the submission detail once ready electronically via API and we'll suck that stuff right in. So, we, we, so they're, they're, help, they're helping the businesses manage their, their statement of values? Is that the idea? Absolutely. So Absolutely. it's like a single interface to manage your property coverage. And then when it's ready, you just bang it in. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's not only from an insurance perspective, it's just from managing their, their statement of values and their properties. And then a feature, a cool feature is uh, they're able to send in uh, submissions more electronically. Cool. And also a, a stronger value proposition around a, like I talked about, how do we create a, more, uh, a, a less friction uh, type information flow, which also improves our, uh, our agility and, and creating some efficiency? How do we enable kind of enriched and integrated data to support superior underwriting, if you will? And how do we use this capability and technology to strengthen our relationships and then connect digitally with our customers, right? So again, efficiency, superior underwriting, strengthening the relationships, they're eliminating all that scrubbing, blending the data, their data with our data, right? And yep. then turn it around and create very powerful insight um, uh, that that the customers believe is 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 important, right? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm curious. I, I actually want to know more about the technology. The uh, is, this, is this something that risk managers use? Is this something that clients use? Like is both. Is it? I mean, because you know, it probably fits more for your national account world, right? Where you've got a ton of property to manage, where you need that. Your average small business doesn't doesn't really need that kind of stuff. But so we're really. Talking I wouldn't say about I wouldn't say small, but probably some middle market as well, right? But diff different use cases, right? But you're you're spot on. Definitely large corporate customers. There's a lot of value at stake for everyone in the value chain, as I mentioned, right? But um, yeah, really, really yep. cool. And then the other yeah. one, I guess a little bit of a shameless plug, Jason, you know, I think our working relationship, you know, relative to Brooklyn Buddha and some of the things that we think we could do together to help us get an increased share of wallet and then also create that frictionless experience are two things I would highlight. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing, I'm hearing two things. Um, but I'm hearing the same thing from two different um, partners, right? Which is, you know, clean, seamless submissions, easy way to work with your clients, uh, whether those are agents or, or customers themselves. Um, and I, you know, I, I happen to like the theme you're on here. So <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're just going to carry on with that, Jeff. Just more. No, actually, actually, more, Jeff, more of that. 
Yeah. <laughs> Actually, as an out, a bit of an outsider in insurance, you know, Jeff, it's easy to take pot shots at the industry and say, oh, this industry has, doesn't embrace technology like it should. But there's a certain size, scope, and level of detail that makes it difficult, right? And I'm just wondering if you can tell us about some of the obstacles just to implementing insurance. It's not an easy industry to just bring insurance into or technology into, is it? No, no, no not at all. We're not bleeding edge. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even know what we, we would call the insurance industry, you know, uh, slow followers. I don't know. Slow followers. <laughs> what, Jeb, you mentioned that the new CEO is kind of a, uh, you know, get, get things done kind of guy, right? Like, let's not mess around. We're going to move on this. Is, is, you know, what are you guys doing? Or how, how do you guys approach innovation and technology adoption? And, and is there anything yeah. special that yeah. either he's doing or the company's doing? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I'll hit Dean's and I'll bring it all the way through, right? So, um, you know, uh, the insurance industry is is known to be slow. Uh, but I think we're making strides for digital transformation, just like any other organization. You know, the way that we're engaged right now, uh, leveraging these tools is really a signal, if you will, in terms of where we're headed uh, in, the, in the digital landscape, right? Um when I, when I think about what are some of the barriers, again, I go back to earlier in my career when I was really trying to understand what underwriters do. You know, I would say most of the time, the underwriter said, I don't need any support or help. I did my first deal on a napkin in a bar, right? Yeah. That's the mindset of, I can write up this deal right here, mm-hmm. right now, without any any tools. Now, certainly we're not in that space, you know, in the, in the 90s any longer. There's still a little bit of that mindset. Yeah, right and the like, and I have all the intellectual capital on my head and a machine can never replicate what I think. Well, I, I think I can because um, just look at all of your results and how you've underwritten over a period of year from a historical uh, uh, perspective. And there's some trends in there. And then you as an underwriter, you do some things that are very similar. And so I can replicate that. But we have that conversation. Then I assure them, you know, it's not about replacing them. It's actually making you more effective and more efficient based on having those insights. And then you get the final say at the end of the day in terms of sending that quote to the broker and it's not leaving without you looking at it uh, in large part and in particular in national accounts. So it's a little bit of change management involved as well. And then certainly, you know, as we push down into the lower levels like small business, you can actually have uh, underwrite that stuff from a portfolio standpoint. So it's changing the dynamic, it's changing the, the mindset, right? Uh, innovation and how we get that push to finish off your question, uh, Jason. Yep takes leadership. And we do have a leader who is very keen on understanding how to leverage data and insight to actually uh, help us create innovative propositions. I think one of the misnomers around innovation is that a lot of people automatically go to technology equals innovation. Mm -hmm. But innovation is products, ideas, process. And then once you have that laid down, then the question is, how do you get the technology to enable that? innovation and then everything at the end of the day is innovative right so um that's how i think about it i think we're moving in that direction in terms of how our organization is thinking about it and then our leader is pushing us to do it he he said we should be angry about not having data and we should be pushing the organization to to, uh to get it wherever we need it i I like i like that word right here's some emotion in there right being angry people (laughs) when some when the boss is angry (laughs) shit happens right things start moving along so and he wants all of us to be passionate about it too like so don't just take no or we can't do that till next year like no why why let's push till we actually can get something we get the 100 percent. but if we get 60 we're moving in the right direction 
Yeah, I think change management. You, you brought that up. I think that's a that's a non-trivial uh, component that you know, we've seen in our businesses. And we, you know, we have a we we introduce a ton of change management when when it when we go to roll out our platform for for agents. Right? It's like, hey, you know, they're they're not a lot different than your underwriters. Right? They they're used to doing things a certain way and very comfortable, and they don't want to get it wrong. And yeah, the technology could help, but like, whoa, this is different. And so. Um, We've actually invested a ton in change management as part of our our offering, and it's we've seen huge results. So don't 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 underestimate that. You can have the crazy ideas, you can build the technology to do it, but don't forget about the execution because, man, changing people's behaviors is is tough. So um, it's the toughest. It's the toughest. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to, I'm glad to see your senior leadership is uh, is driving that and is is um, forcing you guys to think about that. So yeah. Hey, Jeff, I want to switch gears here for a moment, just uh, touching on senior leadership. I don't, I don't think I'm revealing anything groundbreaking here when I suggest that the C-suite at most uh, major insurance companies uh, probably doesn't reflect the diversity of our population. So um, what's your own take on that and, and how your industry supported diversity and inclusion and, and how Zurich and others, how you see them addressing it going forward? Yeah, so obviously, in light of, uh, you know, the things that have happened over the last couple of years, this is a, a, a really important topic. And I'm proud that Zurich is really taking a leadership position and recognizing it and trying to do something about it, right? Um, you know, and, and, and I, I want to start off by saying it's, uh, the industry has operated in a certain way for a number of years, right? So there's, there's been historically a ton of nepotism involved. I personally don't see anything wrong with that, right? So we all go to our friends and family and people that we know to uh, find colleagues to come into your organization. I do it. I've done it. I've done it, right? But as you mentioned, right? And so there hasn't been a lot of minorities in, in uh, leadership roles or in underwriting roles, right? So there's a tendency that most you know minorities in more back office service support, right? And then they may not have the skills, capabilities, know how to raise their hand, reach up, get pulled up, et cetera. I shared my story earlier. I'm right. very fortunate, but I think I also put myself in a position to be recognized or I wanted to just go talk to someone and tell them what I knew. Right. And so what I do personally is try to help, you know, those that I mentor and support that happen to be minority, I mentor and support, you know, uh, all races, colors and all that kind of good stuff. That's just who I am. But I share with them, you got to raise your hand, right? So <laughs> of, I have my head down. I did a really good job. Someone's going to identify me and promote me. I don't know if that ever existed, but I haven't seen it in my lifetime, right? But that's not the way to advance. And so how do we you know, educate people around that, right? But at the same time, we all have, you know, biases, uh, you know, unconscious biases, whatever the case may be. And you may not think like, wow, I need a diverse hiring panel to see if we're thinking about this role in the right way. Um, do I make sure that I have a diverse candidate pool? I need to actually request that if I'm a leader. But those are some of the behaviors that need to actually change because I think when you size folks up and you have an opportunity to see them, organically, the right choices are going to be made, right? We still always want the best professionals. We're not trying to you know, slant it uh, in any certain way, right? So we made that clear uh, at Zurich. But, you know, we do need to make sure that we invest in making, you know, in having a diverse talent pool. We have a, 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 a diverse slate and, and the people that are interviewing them are also diverse. And I think if we continue along that, that, that journey, the, the dynamics will been, begin to shift. We do, uh, you know, my, my leader, Paul Horrigan, uh, head of uh, national accounts, 
has actually got, you know, three of his leaders set up to drive very specific work stream. One is around talent, right? And so sometimes we hear, we don't know where to find a talent, but so it's out there. So how do we connect with some of these, uh, you know, agencies, uh, you know, Naya is one and I have a good friend, Echo Consulting. Uh, she's, she's an agent, former agent, risk uh, manager, et cetera. She started a consulting firm. So there's ways to tap in. You just got to know who to tap into. So I'm making that obvious and my organization has been very supportive around that. So it, it's going to take some time. It's going to be a journey, right? You can't uh, steer to change the Titanic overnight, but I'm very, very, uh, you know, satisfied with the fact that there is tons of attention on the topic and we'll make inroads uh, over time. Yeah. And I think it starts with honest conversations, just like you mentioned. I mean, implicit bias is, is something that, uh, you know, we all have to recognize, you know, so, and, and if we start right. to do that, uh, we can make some progress. Yeah, That's Jeff, right. you, and I, you and I talked about this last summer in the program when, when, you know, all of the uproar was happening around the country. And, um, I definitely noticed, uh, at a minimum in your, in your social feeds, there's a lot of activity coming out from Zurich around diversity and inclusion. Um, you know, whether it's minorities or women or, or anybody um, that, that you guys are encouraging and promoting. So I think that's that's awesome. Um, we've uh, at Broker Buddha done done some similar things. We have a you know, we have a biweekly meeting where we talk about uh, diversity, inclusion and culture. We've um, introduced some some simple changes to our recruiting practices to make sure, you know, we've got uh, minorities in the recruiting pool. We've talked about some more. Uh, aggressive moves where we, you know, we, we, we hide people's names from resumes and things like that, because you can get, you know, you yeah. get biases down to things as simple as that. And yeah. it's, it's, it feels a little bit, uh, it, you know, it's like, wow, that's, that feels aggressive. But on the other hand, it's like, the, you got to find ways to combat the biases and it's, it's tough, right? Like it's just very it's tough for real. And, um, uh, there's, there's work to be done for sure. So I think you hit on something that's important. I think we've had traditional HR practices uh, in place for many, many years. And you mentioned not looking at the names. I, I go uh, and I share this feedback. Sometimes it's even in the questions that we ask, yep. right? Um, you know, applicants on the application itself. Yep. And how we look at resumes and how we look at credentials and all that kind of good stuff, right? So it's just awareness, having the open conversation, Dean, like you mentioned. And, and, and I know it could be a tough uh, discussion for some, but the more comfortable, you know, certainly I try to make people very comfortable in, in the yeah. conversation. You know, I know where your heart is. And so you can't say anything different, uh, anything wrong. So just say what's on your mind. And if it's not exactly right, I'll, I'll correct you. Mm-hmm. And just kind of keep moving. Right. I, I know you have no ill intent. Yeah. And, and I think part of it too is, is, is educating allies, you know, so that, that allies know, know how to respond. People like Jason, you know, and it's, um, you know, yeah. it shouldn't all fall on your shoulders is my, is my other main point, right? Like that's, uh, that's, that's been a mistake. Yeah. So that's uh, also one thing that you know, my, my boss, Paul, told me too. He was like, you're not the DN- head of DNI. And so you right. come to you, you don't have to do everything. Um, I'm going to have my other leaders play a significant role here. And I'll just keep you as one of my trusted advisors. And I appreciate that he understands that that's important, right? Yeah. That's Absolutely. great, man. Um, so Jeff, uh, the, the name of our podcast is The Enlightened Agent. Um, we like to play a little bit on the, the Buddha branding here. Um, enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. Uh, and the in podcast is, is really all about enlightened insurance agents, uh, the people that you rely on to distribute your products, right? And those are, those are your partners out there. So 
Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know who are some of the enlightened agents that you know. Uh, I don't know. You're welcome to name them by name or, or talk about them, but um, I want to hear stories about the people you've worked with over your years and what makes them special. Well, um, I won't name Fern, but I'll, I'll give you some stories. Um, you know, what's, I'm most impressed with, you know, the agents that, that come to mind is their passion and their energy, right? They have to go out and get these clients and making sure they're satisfying them and they have to be creative, innovative, uh, and really make sure that they garner that trust and, and how they go about doing their jobs with that level of passion is, has been very impressive to me, right? Um, they need to understand their, their customers, right? They need to know how to hook in and engage. And then they need to be persistent, not only with the client, uh, with, their, with their own firms and then with carriers too, right? So you can tell uh, those agents and, and brokers that are really persistent because you know they have a real so problem to solve and the, and the customer is expecting them to solve it, right? Um, and the other thing I think about, you know, along with, with the carrier and what, what I think is, is we really got a good thing going is the creativity, right? And actually creating solutions uh, for customers and clients, right? Um, you know, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to think you're just out selling a product, right? But there's a lot more to it, right? You've got the the risk management. You've got the you know the mitigation. You've got the, the you know finding combining products. Maybe you even see agents creating products, right? Like we've we've heard of agents be like, look, I've been talking a bunch of companies, and there's just nothing that fits here. So I'm going to create my own product, and then they go find somebody to back it, and you know that's amazing. Yeah. Kind of innovation, right? We had a, a a company on last week called Assurely. Uh, that's what they do. They're trying to stay ahead of the game and trends and, and get ahead of the, the, the demand for insurance products. And then they develop the products and then they go find a backer. So uh, super, super creative there. Uh, you, you, I should connect you guys. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, it's a way to do innovation without having to take the risk yourself. So yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, can you, uh, any stories come to mind around uh, agents that have, you know, the, the result of their work has, has really helped a company or save a company and, and I'd be curious just to kind of uh, hear, hear what comes to mind. Say save their company or, or the carrot. <laughs> say, well, <laughs> good, good point. Uh, save, save the business, right? I mean, that's ultimately what, they're, what you guys are doing. You're all there to protect the businesses that are shaping the world, right? And so, yeah, so that's why I really kind of leaned into the creativity you know, piece, right? So um, I, I would say they, they save their relationship and they actually show the value at stake in having them involved, right? Um, and being able to demonstrate that. And that, and that starts with empathy. And what I mean by empathy, I mean listening, right? So if you understand the problems in a deep way and don't try to just to push your product offering and it could have cut or one size fits all, each company has differences, even if they're in the same industry. Understand their nuances, understand their problems and how they want to solve them. Um, positions an agent to engage with the carrier and actually come up with a solution that's fit for purpose, right? Whether you're smaller, whether you're larger, all those things apply and being knowledgeable, right? Um, there are some solutions that are cookie cutter. You can just give to everyone. But I think at the end of the day, if you want to add the value, you have to really look at that business individually, understand their needs and meet them. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's actually it's a lot like building a business or running a startup, right? Understand your customer, understand their problems, you know, find a solution for them. You know, the, the I think what's amazing about these agents is that they every single one of their clients is a different problem to solve, right? So there's, they're not, they're you know, maybe in the small world, it's it's a little bit cookie cutter, but 
Um, certainly in middle market uh, insurance, especially commercial, there's not there's not a lot of cookie cutter going on, right? The, the data yeah. collection mm-hmm. might be similar, but the the problem space is different. The businesses are unique. The protections they want are entirely different. Their situations are different. They're at different stages of growth. Um, that's a that's a complex problem to solve, and uh, and then they got to go find you know that that's just understanding the problem. Then they got to go find solutions and partner with people like you to go out and do that. So um, some special people out there for sure. And then, and then the last thing I'll add is, um, you know, agencies and certainly if you're you know mainstream and you're all looking for that growth potential, you know, in early stages, sometimes they may not be large enough to engage with, with Zurich, right, from an appointment uh, you know, standpoint. But again, when I think about that entrepreneurial uh, spirit and that persistence, those who don't go away and continue to build their business and look for ways to have relationships where you may not be actually transacting business day one. Yep are the ones that are that the ones that last right and they find a way to be mentored and translate that mentorship into sponsorship yep then the next thing you know it they're appointed with the right infrastructure the right capabilities the right know-how in terms of actually understanding what zurich's risk appetite is yep they're actually able to be uh, in a better position to sell so so uh, that's how i you know my experience with agents, I've seen it directly. I've seen it on the periphery. And um, like I said, I, I love to see the entrepreneurial spirit and the innovation come to life. Awesome. Hey, Jeff, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, covered a lot of territory here from empathy to diversity to innovation. So um, I don't know if there's anything else uh, you'd like to add before we go, shout outs or anything like that. But uh, uh, thanks so much for your time. And uh, I know Jason appreciates it as a great deal and uh, glad to have you on. I got shout out Zurich. Everybody know that's what I'm from. So shout out to Zurich. Shout out to my people there and then uh, all my friends in the industry and, and to you, Jason, for having me today and also Dean yourself. I'm going to get I'm going to give a shout out to the uh, New York FinTech Innovation Lab for putting Jeff and I together. Uh, uh, Broker Buddha went through that program uh, during COVID in uh, April, May and, and June of last year. Jeff and I had an opportunity to meet. Uh, almost every week for the whole quarter. And, you know, it was an incredibly rewarding experience, uh, probably most notably because Jeff and I got to know each other really well and um, and are continuing to work together. But uh, shout out to Maria and the team there for, for making that happen. So real quick, was that during COVID? Have you not been in the same room yet? Uh, we, <laughs> this is it, no, at the very beginning, at the very beginning, we, we were right. right. But then after that, yep. Yeah, well, I was- if I can ever cherry a celebratory drink when this is all over somewhere in, in New York, uh, I'm all for it. So let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. Right. I'm in. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>